Hello, you're listening to Fish Food, a podcast for entrepreneurs who started working for themselves to build companies that grow into thriving businesses. Here, we provide bite-sized accounting and entrepreneurship advice in 20 minutes or less. I'm your host, Keila Hill Trawick, and whether you're acting as your own accountant or looking for a new one, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. Hey, welcome back to Fish Food. I am your host, Keila Hill Trawick, and today we are talking about narrowing down your service offerings. Now, it sounds counterintuitive, right? Like you think that the more offers that you have, the more money that you'll make, but it's actually not true. I've seen a lot of instances where reducing the number of offerings that you provide really amplifies and exceeds your profit and revenue targets from years before. If you take Little Fish as an example, when we went from a buffet of services to a solid two or three, we more than doubled our revenue in two years. So I know what I'm talking about. This isn't for everybody, but it is a really good way to get paid more while not doing as much work and not starting from scratch every single time. So let's get started. So there are a few reasons why you might want to uh, offer fewer services. And the first is to streamline delivery. Now, when you are working with multiple types of businesses with a lot of different service offerings, it can feel like you're starting from scratch every single time. And so that means that you never really get a good handle on how to onboard people the same way, on how to provide the service the same way, on how to provide a deliverable that looks relatively the same for everybody who works with you. When you slow down to how many services you offer or actually just streamline down to a lower number of services, you really have the opportunity to make those better, right? Because everyone starts looking relatively similar. We're going to have to do some customization for every client because no one is exactly the same, but your baseline should be pretty similar because everyone is in the same type of service. So, The first thing that narrowing down your service offerings does is it really allows you to help hopefully make it easier for you and your team to be able to bring in clients and provide a service that can move in a more efficient manner because it doesn't seem like everybody needs something completely different. I'll say that this is especially true for people with teams. You can do a lot of different things, a lot of different ways when it's just your brain in it. But when you start having to tell your team members, oh, this one has these two things, but not this third thing. And these two clients have these items, but they didn't choose this from the buffet. It can be really confusing for your team to keep up. And so as you're expanding your team, your very small team, if you're somebody that is listening here, you still want to make sure that you're making space for the idea that the more alike people are, the more alike their services are, the better it is for your team and you to execute on what you promised. The second thing is it helps you to save on costs, right? So if everybody is doing similar services and they're down to a couple, you generally aren't going to have as high software costs, right? Because everyone is doing the same thing. And so the software that you use for client one is likely the same software that you're going to use for client two without these one-offs of, well, because you have this specific thing that's off the buffet menu, I have to pay for this uh, software or this tool specifically for the 
couple of people that are in here. It also allows you to keep a lean team. Now, you all know how I feel about not growing for the sake of growth, but that means that you're probably going to have a couple of really strong team members. And those people can be even stronger in terms of, like I said, executing. But that also means that they are empowered to be experts over their area because they're not trying to learn a bunch of different things for the random chance that one of 50 clients need this item. And so you're really able to cut down on costs because you potentially don't need as many people. For example, if you've got five different service offerings that have five different types of expertise in them, you may have to hire more people on the team to be able to meet those needs, even though there only might be a couple of clients that are taking option one and option four. If you're only offering two things, that could lead you to only need two people that are over those services. And again, this isn't going to be the exact same for everybody, but it does start giving you some insight as to why it might cost you a little bit less or a lot less to run your company if you don't offer as many different types of options. The third thing that it offers, and really one of the most important things for me, for Little Fish, and for our clients, is that it provides space for you to do the service better instead of constantly trying to create new ideas. If you have one, two, maybe three service offerings, you're really in a position to go deeper versus wider because you only offer those two or three things to your clients. You've got space to start asking questions. What would make this better? I've got enough of you as kind of a focus group to be able to ask what would be of more value to you. How can I provide a better service? And on top of that, how can I make sure that what you need and what we can provide are aligned, right? When you offer a bunch of different types of services, it typically opens the floodgates to you constantly creating new ways to put them together, new bundles, new services, new offerings for this particular type of client versus this client. And that can really expand your need to keep growing because you don't have really the knowledge base or expertise in one area to be able to focus on that and go hard on it. I'll give you an example. So we had a client who was um, an agency, a design agency, and they did everything, pretty much ran the gamut, brand design, strategy, website design, social media, logos, all of those could be purchased kind of individually or as a suite or as a bundle of different things. You might even be able to come in and say, hey, I need this, and they would figure out some way to build it for you. Well, what that meant was that they had a lot of different contractors, a lot of different team members that were kind of mini experts in these areas, but they couldn't have a um, solid way to say, this is what we do, this is what we do well, and this is why we can charge so much for it. It meant that they had a lot of smaller potentially lower cost items as opposed to a few higher cost items that were able to bring in the right clients at the right level of service doing the right thing. The other thing is they were touching a whole lot of different industries. And maybe you've run into this. Maybe you're a service provider that provides services to healthcare and beauty and other agencies and e-commerce and restaurants and hospitality. And what that means is that every time somebody comes in, one, there may be a learning curve. If you've been working on five different types of companies and now here comes a restaurant, you've got to learn all about what their industry looks like and what they need. But then on top of that, it also creates a gap in what you promise is going to be delivered and what you're actually able to deliver. Because 
essentially, if you had fewer things, you could provide better strategy, better advisory, better insight, because you've got a bunch of people that are in that same place. Ultimately, this client decided to only offer two different services. So they've got brand um, strategy and they had website design. I mean, there were some more in between there. And if you're an expert in this area, you know the terminology. But essentially, there were no more of this buffet, um, pick what you want a la carte and add it together. You could fall in one of those two buckets. And because of that, they were able to provide a more holistic experience, right? They're able to say, hey, as part of this, this is what's included. I will do this, 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 and this. This is the deliverable. And here's where you will end up at the end, what you'll be able to be provided. And what they knew as a result is when they went from client number 50 to client number 51, it wasn't going to be a slog. They knew exactly how that person was going to be onboarded because there were only two paths for them to go down. They knew exactly what questions to ask to really get the work done more efficiently. And because of that, they were able to provide a better client experience, which allowed them to charge more money. All right. So let's say you're with me, right? You are ready to start thinking about how to offer fewer services to your clients. Where do you start? I say you start by asking yourself a few questions. The first one is, what are you good at? What is the thing that you do that lets you stand out from your peers and other people in the industry? It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, but it does mean that you are coming into the game with something that says, I am different and here is why. I'm not a marketing expert, but I know that this works. The next thing is, what do you want to do? Realistically, just because you can doesn't mean that it's a best fit for you. So in this case, yeah, that ad agency or that design agency was great at making logos. But does that mean that they should offer that as a single package? No. And designers out there, I know that you agree with me when I say it is not just a logo. So that's an aside. But the end result is this idea that like, just because you are able to doesn't mean it should be an individual service offering. Maybe you want to roll that into something else. Maybe you want to decide that that's something that you don't offer at all. But you want to start thinking about what brings you joy? What do you feel good about offering to your clients? And what do you think would be most valuable to them, given your knowledge and experience in the area that you really can provide more value because you're focused on the thing that you want to do and you're good at? Then the next question is, what can your bandwidth and your team support? Remember, the idea isn't to just get full. If you think that your max is 20, you don't want your goal to be 20 clients. You'll be maxed out and not be able to make any improvements. Your goal is enough. What gives your team enough money and enough space to be able to make improvements, to rest, to daydream, to really give your business the influx of creativity that it needs in order to go to its next iteration or just to give you all some space to not feel burned out and overwhelmed. Finally, as the accountant here, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, what will this do to your financials? Money matters. You've got a team to pay. You've got resources. You may have rent, utilities, a space that you're paying for. There's all kinds of costs that go into the business. So by no means is this a pick what you want to do and forget what the money is. It will come. It will come, but you do need to be aware of how this will affect your future financials. We did an episode on um, budgets and forecasts that we'll link for you, but really you want to look at that. How much would it cost for you to make these changes? What is the forecast of your revenue? What do you expect to make if you narrow down your service offerings? And some people leave and some people stay. Overall, you just want to make a realistic plan of what this new version of your business is going to look like. Now, 
Once these questions are answered, you can start cutting the list. First, start by removing the services that you're no longer going to offer from your website and your communications. You don't want people to start coming in thinking that they're going to pay you one amount or thinking that they're coming in for one service and have to find out later down the line by the time you get back to them that it is no longer an option for them. So if you don't want new clients in these old services, take them down. Next, make a list internally of affected clients. There's going to be some people that you already know based on the projects that they're in. It really doesn't make sense to keep going with them based on the new direction that you're doing. You may realize that they just want the one-offs and you want to do a holistic plan. And if that's the case, you want to know who you're going to have to talk to about that sooner rather than later so that you can give them space um, and be able to, if it happens this way. Let them go with integrity. All right, we already talked about the forecast and budget, but this is the time where you're going to want a scenario plan and start looking at, okay, if I had this many new clients and this new service, what would that look like? What would that cost me? Does that mean a change to the team where I'm going from four part-time people to two full-time people? And how will that adjust how we're able to take on work? Again, how we're able to onboard. We'll have a whole episode about onboarding because it's so important. But basically, how can I bring people in and make sure that they're taken care of so that I can charge this new price that I'm looking at and also be able to support them on the back end with additional or reduction in cost based on those changes? The next thing is to alert your current clients that change is coming. Remember, it is much cheaper, much more efficient, and honestly, it just feels better to be able to keep clients versus to go out and have to chase new ones. They already know you. They already trust you. They know your value. And who knows, they may have been looking for a service offering like what you're changing to and just didn't realize that that was an option with you because it wasn't. But now it is. Nobody wants to fire clients that they like. It doesn't feel good, but you've got to make a decision that works best for your business. And the best way that you can do that for you and also support your clients in their next steps is to make sure that they have enough time to be able to make a new decision if they need to. Finally, start taking calls for new service. Start asking the right questions for this new or potentially new client that is going to go into these new buckets of services. The sooner that you can start getting people on the roster, talking to people about what they're looking for and what you offer, the sooner that you can make small tweaks or even large tweaks to what you thought you wanted to offer in order to make sure that this new limited suite of services is exactly what people need and what they'll pay you for. So I've probably said this before, I say it a lot, all money ain't good money. And it's hard to be an expert in your field that can provide value to clients when your hands are in a bunch of different buckets. So start looking at your suite of services and ask yourself, could we do less for more? Are there opportunities where we could provide less options with a more valuable service to the right clients at the right price instead of a suite that everybody just gets to choose from that ultimately can burn you out put you in a position where you're doing work that you don't really want to do and maybe not really serving your clients in the best ways. At the end of the day, this decision could change more than your business. It could change your life. We talk a lot about getting time back here and really making enough money so that you've got space to start thinking about other ways that you want to live, um, other ways that you potentially want to run your business. All of that starts from a place of you not being full and you not being frazzled. So take advantage of this opportunity to just reimagine new ways that your business could look. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you would like to learn more about Little Fish's suite of services or get access to new goodies like our 
finally coming resource library, click the link in the show notes in order to sign up for our newsletter. Talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us today. If you like what you heard, I've got good news for you. We're supporting you all over the internet. Check out our Instagram at littlefishaccounting or our website, littlefishaccounting.com for guidance, resources, and ways to work with us. Plus, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. See you next time.